pleasant good morning, uh, UECP family. Today is our, the start of our two-week stewardship uh, series. And we would like to again reflect on the offering that God deserves. And the title for the message this morning is The Sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And we will look at a scripture from the Old Testament in Psalms chapter 50, verse 7 to 15. So may the Lord uh, speak to our heart as we prepare ourselves to listen to what he has to say for each one of us today. So allow me to read from Psalms chapter 50, verse 7 to 15, what is written there. Let's begin with verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifice do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. May God bless the reading of his word. As we look into this area of giving, of offering our best to the Lord, we ask this very important question, especially during the COVID pandemic, why are many Philippine churches struggling financially? Why are many churches in the Philippines today in some kind of financial trouble or thousands of local ministry workers, they are still considered financially Challenge. Now, I was serving among uh, Filipino pastors. Some of them, they stopped receiving their salaries. Some of them, they uh, stopped their rentals of their uh, church facilities. And some of them just simply uh, have a problem continuing in the online ministry. So this makes me ask the question, why is there always not enough money to fund ministry endeavors around the world and support the workers of God. So this is the question now in my, my head. Is it because Christians don't have enough money? Are Christians around the world not able to give to these needs? Or probably maybe because we serve a God who is poor and stingy. Because that's what it seems like. Now we belong to a church that uh, is uh, one of... Uh, that has a testimony of hearty giving and sacrificial giving, and we praise God for that. But the question is, it, does it include every one of us, you and I? Now, the real root of the problem, I guess, is that Christians really struggle with giving. How we give generously is a question 
right? How do we give sacrificially like that in the book of Acts when they have anyone who had need, they even sold their possessions to meet the needs of people. How they say, uh, sold houses, gave up property to practice generosity is unspeakable. Now, if you and I cannot even practice the Old Testament tithe or 10% of what we receive, how can we even come close to the sacrificial giving of the New Testament? So this power struggle in our giving reveals an inner struggle in our heart. I'm not saying that giving is easy or it's, uh, I do not guarantee that Christians should not struggle about their giving, but we always have these questions in our head when it comes to giving. For example, why should I give up my hard-earned money? God doesn't need my money. God can manage on his own. Or maybe you struggle with this question. Why give the little money that I have? There are people who are more capable to give than I do. What if I don't even have enough to meet my own needs? I have bills and mouths to feed. God should be able to understand. Or I will only give if God gives me what I need first. Right? And so scripture does not say that money is the root of all evil. Rather, it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Because when this happens, it is not money that serves us, but we end up serving money. And Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Either you love one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we struggle with this love for money, our control of the money. We think the money belongs to us. So we give reluctantly. And reluctant giving roots from two things. It's either pride or fear or both. Now, pride when we want to keep the money to ourselves because we think that the money is ours and we deserve to enjoy the money we earn. Or fear when we doubt that God can truly provide for all of our needs. And so we need to help God by providing him a backup plan just in case his provisions is not enough. But sadder than reluctant giving is that we will never experience the rewards that comes with generous giving. For example, we will never experience the joy of giving or the rewards of giving which God has promised to those who give in humility and faith rather than struggle with pride and fear. So our psalm today at the background was a psalm by one of the singers appointed by David to sing in the temple, Asap. It's either written by Asap or a song written for Asap. So each of the 12 psalms attributed to Asap contains themes of judgment from God and how the people must return to the law of God or practice their uh, belief in the law of God. And Psalm 50 is written despite it's a song like a prophetic message. Now, God is confronting or rebuking the people because they were struggling with a specific attitude in their offering. And so, God tells them how they are to shape up or change their attitude. This is an Old Testament psalm, but in the New Testament, likewise, Paul encourages the, uh, just the believers that they are to give generously and not reluctantly because God loves a cheerful giver. And so what does Paul have in mind of giving that pleases God? 
And so I hope that as we go back to Psalm 50, we'll be able to understand what it means to really be a giver, a cheerful giver, right? So allow me to just point to us that our God, who owns everything, requires the right perspective and right attitude from you and I, His people, in terms of our giving. Because it reflects our understanding of who God is and the nature of our relationship with God. Again, God requires the right perspective and the right attitude from us, His people, in terms of our giving because it reflects our understanding of who He is and the nature of our relationship with Him. Okay, so first part of Psalm 50, let's look at the offering that God rejects. Here, the Lord files a complaint against His own people. Something about their offering was really off or not right. Okay, I remember in 2016, there was a massive recall of Samsung phones, particularly the Galaxy Note 7. So this is what happened. Okay, in 2016, Samsung issued its first recall of 2.5 million devices after a handful of overheating issues. The brand new technologically advanced Samsung smartphone packed new features which now the experts say then was the reason why the phones overheated easily and some even exploded. There were nearly 100 incidents where the Galaxy Note 7 and similar phones overheated, igniting, and at least 26 users got burned, 55 users reported property damage, and uh, there were injuries sustained. Some even reported second and third degree burns, and even death, death via exploding Samsung phone. And so uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation for, forced the airlines to notify a ban of this specific phone. You are not allowed to bring a Samsung Galaxy Note 7 on board a plane for the fear of the malfunction might cause an in-flight explosion because of what has happened. Great phone, great features, but it has one problem. It overheats and has the potential of exploding. And so it's the same way. No? The people of God, they were giving offerings day and night. They were faithfully giving, but there's something fundamentally wrong with how they gave. And so the Lord files a complaint against the people. Let's read verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. That's what this beginning says. It's like a courtroom drama scene. And in this passage, it was God who, uh, who raises a case against his own people. And so here, God takes the role of three courtroom characters. The first is the accuser, and his people were the defendant. But he is also the witness and the judge in the court. In other words, God is taking Israel's uh, offense with regards to their offering with utmost seriousness. So what is the complaint? The complaint is like this, right? When you have a concern of the product you bought, you call or go to the complaint desk of the mall. Okay, but in this case, when you go to the complaint desk, you say the product is perfectly fine. My problem is the customer 
service. So it's not the product that's the problem. It's the people handling the product, right? So that's what God is saying. You are the problem. Your attitude is the problem. Your perspective is the problem. That's why even though your offerings are regular, your offerings are great, it is not pleasing to God. God is rejecting it because it was not how they, it was not what they gave, it was how they gave. In verse 8, it says, Not for your sacrifice do I rebuke. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. Now, God has no complaint against the quantity and schedule of their offering because the primary problem, again, was their attitude in giving. They thought that they were doing God a favor. They thought that they were sacrificing their hard-earned money to feed God, to give to God. And so what does God have to say about this? Right? God was upset or unhappy because they thought they were doing God a favor. They were providing food on God's table so that God has something to eat. And so that is a fundamental wrong perception of the people of Israel during that time. And so we go to the first heart check we need to check ourselves today. What are our heart struggles about our giving? In their case, they were struggling about parting with their own things they, because they thought they were the owner of what they possess and they're, you know, parting and sacrificing for God. They didn't totally understand that that was the wrong perspective. So let me ask us all a question. If I were to face God in a court today and he files a complaint about me, would he be complaining with how I give? Or will he became, be complaining about what I give? Or will it be both? Because, right, we really struggle about giving and we have to admit, face black, what our struggle is about when in terms of giving to God. Because it is not only what we give, but how we give that matters to God. Because the right perspective and the right attitude is expected by God when His people gives to Him because it reflects how we know God and our relationship with Him. So looking at the offering, God rejects. Now we ask, what, does, what is the offering God deserves from you and me? Now there was a story of a rabbi who was insulted or taunted by the daughter of an emperor because he was humble in appearance. He was simple. He didn't like look handsome or flashy. Okay, so when he was being ridiculed by this emperor's daughter, the man pointed to the earthen jars in the palace, which contained the finest wines. His point, I might be simple looking, but I carry treasure, just like your father's earthen jars that carry the finest wines. So because he was defiant, he changed all the earthen pottery into silver vessels just to prove her point okay which backfired because it destroyed the wine as it reacted with the silver in those containers the wine became bitter and undrinkable 
And so the moral of this story is that the humblest vessels can carry the greatest riches. But for you and I, however good our gifts and offerings are, it is useless if we carry the wrong attitude of giving. So Jesus commended the widow who gave two mites. It's a small amount of money, but Jesus said she gave wholeheartedly everything she had to live on. Okay, so more than what we give is also how we give. So what do we need? We need the right heart as we give God the right offerings. Okay? What we give is important, but equally important is how we give. So God is telling His people, I do not need your offering. I do not need your offering. Let me read from verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine and cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field are mine. In other words, all the possible animals, the doves, uh, the rams, and the bulls that they offer, they all belong to God. Nothing that they offered is theirs. It belongs to to God. While the people thought that they were doing God a favor by sacrificing their cattle, okay, their possessions, thinking in their heart that it is mine, God says, no, those are not yours. They actually belong to me. So you are actually just giving back a portion of what God has entrusted to you. That's why we are stewards, not owners. Stewards, not owners. It is only wealth that is entrusted to us. And if you remember a few years back, we asked you to carry out your wallet, open your wallet, and look at the money inside or the bank book and tell yourself, and you can do it again at home, this is not my money. This money is God's money because it is true. All that you have belongs to God, even your very Self. So, remember, we cannot outgive God nor find pride in offering anything to God. We cannot brag about giving God a portion of what He actually gave us as stewards. Right? So, that is the point here. Okay? So, that is what they needed to think. Second, the offering was for a different purpose. That's why in verse 12, uh, it says here, if I were hungry, I would not if if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? So here God pushes the analogy further to argue his case. The world and all its fullness are his. Not only the bulls, not only the cattle, not only the sacrificed items, everything on this earth and its fullness belong to Him. Even our very selves belong to God. All that He created belongs to Him. Nothing they hold on to belongs to them. Okay, nothing we value or treasure belongs to us. Even our family, they all belong to God. Even our children 
even our companies, they are God's by right. God who freely gives can also freely take away even our very lives. So indirectly, this reminds us that our giving is actually a test of both our faith and faithfulness. Our faith in God who provides and our faithfulness in serving the God we call Master and Lord. Are the Israelites so ignorant they would think that God needs to eat? That's why they're offering the bulls and the rams? Would he be hungry? And would he really eat the flesh of bulls and drink the blood of goats? No. Because the offering was not for the Lord, but for them. It was to atone for their sins. It was a foreshadowing of what Christ will do on the cross to die for our sins. And so if they carry this wrong perspective that they're doing God a favor, instead of receiving the grace of God in their offering, then it cheapens the significance of the cross of Christ. So, why does my heart struggle with giving? A while ago, we asked, what heart struggles do I have with giving? But why does my heart struggle with giving? What does my struggle with giving reveal about my perspective of God and stewardship? What does it reveal about my faith in God and my faithfulness? You know, tithing is a maturity journey. I remember I started tithing when I was a child. Whatever my parents give me on Sunday school, I will give. But later on, I needed to start learning it to a portion of uh, my allowance during college to the Lord. 10% of the small allowance I have, I gave to the Lord. But later, I realized I do not need much money going to school because I eat at home, I commute to school, I have more left over, not enough to save enough money, so I gave more than 10%, and it was a joy. But the struggle began again when I started working because the percentage is still the same, but the amount is bigger, so I struggled to give again. So as I struggled giving, now I wrestled, and then I learned to be faithful. And as I'm faithful, God increased my income, and I struggled again because the percentage is the same, okay, but the amount is bigger. So struggle about giving is normal, but we need to really learn how to mature in our giving by growing in our faith and our faithfulness by carrying that right perspective that it is God's money, not our money, and by believing that He will provide for our all, all our needs regardless. Okay? Our faith and faithfulness okay, are being tested with our giving. The third point I would like to emphasize is what is the kind of offering God accepts according to Psalm chapter 50. We are to offer him, according to this, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. In verse 14, it says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. So bottom line is, we are to acknowledge that God is Most High. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the Universe Sovereign, the Highest Authority. 
right? And so we are to offer to Him the best that we can sacrifice as a sign of gratitude for what He has done and who He is. And I remember by calling God the Most High God, remember in Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to Jesus, because He is the Most High, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we ought to give Him the best of our life. So He requires also the commitment of our heart. Make your vow unto the Lord, an allegiance that He is the one we worship and serve and Him alone. Okay? So that's the first. Right? Offering accept a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a committed heart to the Lord, but also we are to be thankful for His deliverance. 15, verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. We give Him our commitment and allegiance of our heart with gratitude, and He reminds us that he responds to our pleas and cries. He will come and save and deliver us, His people. And He will be the one to enable us to live lives worthy of His call. That is key. There is offering that God accepts is by having the right perspective and attitude in our giving us God, God's people to reflect the nature of a relationship with God and who He is. He is our God. He owns everything. We are stewards. When we sacrifice something, it's never as big as what God gives because God, okay, we can never outgive God. Now, Jen Wilkins in the book In His Image writes about this uh, simple woman with a generous heart. Uh, she says, Generosity is not strictly for those who have material abundance. Generosity is not only for the rich. Because Osceola, Osceola McCarthy recognized this truth and the world became a better place through her. She is a simple woman born in 1908 in the rural Mississippi. She quit school after sixth grade because she needed to support an ailing aunt, a dying aunt. And so she spent the rest of her life as a washerwoman, La Bandera. She never married, lived quietly in her community, and attended church regularly with a Bible held together with a scotch tape. Because, you know, you know that it's well used and he won't, she won't buy a new Bible. Throughout the years, the people of Hattiesburg paid her coins and dollar bills so that their clothes are freshly washed and pressed. And she found immense dignity in the work she did. Noting that hard, hard work gave life meaning. So she said, I start each day on my knees saying the Lord's Prayer. Then I get busy about my work. Now, in 1995, Os uh, she was uh, 86 years old, and she contacted the University of Southern Mississippi to let them know 
that she would be donating a portion of her life savings to fund scholarships for African-American or black students with her hard-saved money all of her life as a washer lady. And the amount was 150,000 US dollars. Right? That's a lot of money. That's a few millions. No? So, more than I could ever use, she said. I know it won't be too many years before I pass on, she said. And I just figured out the money would do them a lot more good than it would me. Oseola McCarthy, a child of poverty, also a child of God, wanted to do good and she did it generously. Because generous giving is not only for those who are blessed materially, but for everyone who has a great God. Right? Is our giving reflecting that our God is poor and stingy? Or we just have misrepresented the God whom we serve? Those who know the good awaits them in heaven can afford to be generous on earth because they lose nothing in giving what has been simply given or entrusted to them. So what is the heart attitude you desire to have in your giving? Today we no longer offer animal sacrifices because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And his sacrifice is dead on the cross, has cleansed us of all our sins. A greater reason to be grateful, to be thankful, to respond with faith and faithfulness. We belong to him, all that we have belongs to him. And we are only asked to give up a portion of what he entrusted to him to carry on the work of the cross. So we do not only offer our 10% and beyond, we also have to offer our time, our talents, equally along with our treasure. We offer ourselves our lives. So what attitude do you carry when you give time, treasure, and your talents? Do we find ourselves worrying? How will I make ends meet? How about my family? Do we serve reluctantly with little commitment or passion? Do we give sparingly? Okay, giving God only the leftovers. Because, brothers and sisters, God requires the right perspective and attitude in you when you give. Because it shows how you know God and what your relationship with Him really is. Now, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 7, Paul emphasizes that God loves a cheerful giver. In summary, he said, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully also reaps bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. What does it tell us to do today when we think about offering our best to the Lord. First, brothers and sisters, we must learn to give faithfully. We have to give our tithes regularly at a fixed date, weekly, monthly, 
at a fixed time. Tight faithfully. Even when uh, you have financial difficulties, you need to tight faithfully and immediately. What does it mean? When you receive your income, you set it apart and give it because you have a tendency to be tested, to keep it for your own emergency, which will put you in a, a situation of struggle. Why do that? Right? When you receive it, set it apart, give it. Have it done for it. Second, we are to learn to give generously. That's a cheerful giver. Give sacrificially beyond your tithe. And, you know, when you see that your generosity returns with people's smiles and uh, people receiving the help they need, isn't that already a reward? Give generously beyond the tithe. Right? We do not upgrade the standard of our living. We upgrade the standard of our giving. Okay? We upgrade the standard of our giving. Third, it teaches us to give willingly. Give with a heart of surrender to God. Willingly, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Willingly. Already decide in your heart what to give. Not because the message is wow, okay, uh, interesting, inspiring, you will give more. Right? Decide it early because it reflects who your God is to you and your relationship with God. No, you do not uh, act compulsively in your giving. You have to make that decision early. This belongs to the Lord. So I'm apportioning a, this amount to give back. And finally, the challenge is we are to give cheerfully. Grateful to God for the salvation we receive. Grateful for the church family. Grateful for what God has done for us. Because we really don't deserve much from God, and yet He gave His Son for us. Brothers and sisters, our faith and faithfulness in our giving is a reflection of who God is to you and the nature of your relationship with Him. And so we must carry along the right perspective and attitude to give our best to the Lord with the right heart. Because what we give matters, but more important is how we give matters. So may you come to a decision today, a commitment. How will my tithing and giving look like beginning today for the rest of the year? I'd like you to spend some moment to pray. If you struggle with giving, you have the wrong perspective of giving, confess it to the Lord and ask Him for the right heart. And ask Him that you will make a commitment and decide how to give generously in faith, in faithfulness, henceforth. Let's bow down our heads for a short while and then let me pray for you. Lord, our heart struggles because of the situations around us. Yet, you are our anchor. You deserve our faith and faithfulness, and it is reflected 
in our giving of our tithes and offerings. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you help us to understand that what we give is not doing you a favor, but it is rather an opportunity that you give, a privilege as God's people to take part in your great and mighty work which began in us and you will continue to complete in us and to others. Help us, O Lord, not to reflect a stingy and poor God, but instead help us to live out your generosity, love, and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday and may you enjoy the rewards of the faith and faithfulness of your giving. God bless.